Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. I am ready to preach. I have been looking forward to this. I was even joking last week that like, I, I hope I preached okay because I don't want to be so uh, consumed with the week ahead that I was like looking past it because I've been so, so ready for today. I hope you're ready for today. I hope everybody watching, you're ready because I don't know if you know this. You may not be aware of this. It wasn't your decision to be here today. This is a divine appointment. I'm, I'm not kidding. If you're watching online, you, you, you thought you were watching because someone shared this, right? No, no, no. This was a divine appointment. You thought you were here today because someone invited you. You didn't realize God put this on your Google calendar way before you did. You're here for a reason. You're online watching us for a reason. Today is a divine appointment. And man, I have just, I am so geeked out to preach today. I've got, I've got a handheld mic today. I've got a, po- I usually preach from like a tabletop. I got a podium today. Y'all are going to be lucky if you get out of here in an hour and a half. This might, we might be hunkering down for a while. We're locking the doors back there so no one can leave. <laughs> uh, man, I am, I'm, I've been looking forward to this, this series here and now uh, uh, that we're starting into today that we're going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks. Uh, the whole idea behind this series is that God wants to do something amazing in the life of our church and in our own personal individual lives. He wants to do something in your life. And he's not waiting for some future version of you to do it. He wants to do it right here and right now. He wants to do something in our midst, right? And that is so counterintuitive to how our culture is and how we are. Because how are we? We, we are people of the future, constantly. We're constantly looking to the future. The best version of ourselves lives in the future. What do you think New Year's resolutions are, right? That I'm finally going to lose that weight. I'm finally going to quit smoking. I'm finally going to save money. I'm finally going to budget. I'm finally going to be better in relationships. I'm going to date my wife. I'm going to do all these things. And it's always some future perfect version of ourselves. That's where all productivity lives, in the magical land of tomorrow, the some days, the one of these days things will be nice. One of these days God will do something amazing on my behalf. And what we are declaring in this series as a church, what we're declaring is that no, 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 the best isn't yet to come. The best is happening right here and right now. That we don't have to wait until one day for God to do something amazing in our lives and in our church. That we can believe him for amazing things right here and right now. And that's what he wants to do. The best isn't yet to come. It's here and now. Say it with me. It's here and now. Put it in the comments if you're believing it too, that it's here and now. God's going to do something amazing in our midst. And today we're going to be looking, if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, if you don't, uh, don't worry, we'll have it up on the screen here. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1. We're looking at verses 9 through 15. And I feel like Mark... It's kind of a perfect uh, uh, a book, and specifically Mark chapter 1. It's a, perf- a perfect piece of scripture for us to look at today. Now, uh, what we're going to be talking about, like I, I'm going to get into it a little bit later, but what we're talking about typically, um, churches, like I, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week, uh, and I was telling him about what we're getting ready to talk about today, and he's like, oh, you're, you're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, I bet. 
the book of Nehemiah, because that's, that's where you're always at. That's what pastors always talk about whenever you talk about what we're about to talk about. You look at the book of Nehemiah, and you do a study from there about leadership, and I was like, no, actually, we're, we're doing something different. We're going to be in the book of Mark, because I feel like the book of Mark just encapsulates the spirit of where we're at as a church, and it encapsulates what we're about to start on, and that's because in the book of Mark, it's very unique. It's very unique in scripture. It's very unique among the, the four gospels. There's a Greek word, euthus, euthus, and this Greek word, what it means is immediate. It means now. It means at once. And this word is used, euthus, it is used 63 times throughout the New Testament. We see this word used 63 times. Out of those 63, 41 of the uses are found in the book of Mark. 41 out of 63, that's 65% of the time that the New Testament is talking about immediacy and here and now and at once, it's all happening in the book of Mark. And out of those 41 uses, 12 of them happen in Mark chapter 1. That's why a lot of scholars, a lot of theologians refer to the gospel of Mark as the gospel of action, the gospel of immediacy, because things are just happening in the gospel of Mark. Whenever you open it up and you look at it, uh, it, it doesn't even have a birth account of Jesus. We don't even get the story of the wise men and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph. We just jump immediately into action. We jump immediately into narrative of a grown-up Jesus getting ready to embark on his ministry because it's immediate. It's here and now. It's action-oriented. So I want us to, I'm going to read through these verses for us to start off today. We don't need the text on the screen yet, tech booth. I'm just going to read through these and then we'll work back through it again later in the sermon. But this is what it says. Starting in verse 9, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John, the Baptist, in the Jordan River. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Verse 11, and a voice came from heaven and it said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. You can see how the narrative is just jumping all over the place, right? Jesus comes, and he goes to the Jordan, and he's baptized, and he's immediately sent out to the wilderness, and he's there, and he's being tempted, and then it's over, and the angels attend to him. It's just constant action, one thing after another. Verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Heavenly Father, today we are in the midst of a move. We know you are doing something right here, right now. We can feel it. God, we can feel it. We can feel your presence moving in our hearts, stirring us as a church. You are doing something amazing. And you're doing it right here and right now. God, that's not coming in the future. It's here. So what we ask today, Lord, is help us to meet the moment. Help us to rise to the occasion. Help us to be your church so that this moment doesn't pass us by and we miss it. We want to be a part of what you're doing, God, and you're doing it here and now. Father, please bless me today as I preach. I am a imperfect, fallible man, and so uh, my words, my thoughts, my ideas, if they get in the way of what you would have to say today, this will be a complete failure. So God, what I ask is that you would go before me in this moment to prepare my heart and mind to be able to speak from you 
and that everyone listening online, everyone here in-house at Cornerstone, that we would be able to receive what you would speak to us today and see it change our lives because it's your word alone that changes us. We love you, Father, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're taking notes today, uh, the title of today's sermon is On Your Mark. On Your Mark. And yes, we're in the book of Mark, but also, do we have any runners in the building? Anybody who likes to run? The psychopaths, I see the hands of the psychopaths. You probably take really, really cold showers and you just like stare at blank television sets for a while because you're crazy. I, I can't get down with that. I, I, when it comes to running, I just, I don't like it. I do run, like I run uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout the week. I try to run two miles each day and I hate it. Like I never enjoy, <laughs> I never enjoy doing it. I played basketball in high school uh, and in middle school and elementary school and in, in my sport, Running is punishment. <laughs> like, if you make a bad play, if you turn the ball over, if you're late to practice, you go run suicides. You go run a lap. And so it was always mind-boggling to me that people made a sport out of my sport's punishment. <laughs> like, that just always seemed kind of crazy to me. But uh, even though I'm not a big runner, I understand what it means to be on your mark, right? Even if you're not a runner, you, you've heard this phrase before. You probably have uh, at least a rudimentary idea of what it means. Now, whenever you're a runner and you're getting ready to be in a race, there is literally a mark. It is the, the, the starting line. And so whenever you're told to get on your mark, you are being told to get to the place where the race starts, right? This line of demarcation. And you need to be pretty cognizant of where it is because if you start over the mark, you're going to be disqualified. And if you start too far behind the mark, uh, you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage compared to the other runners in the race. So the mark is very important. Uh, another thing that makes the mark so important in a race is uh, knowing where the mark is in relation to the finish line matters, matters big time because depending what kind of race you're running, you can do an all-out sprint or it's more of an endurance run and you need to be aware of how far away from the mark you are because if you give too much at the beginning, you can collapse. Your body literally can just give out in the middle of a run. You see it happen where runners will fall down, they'll collapse and it's because the buildup of lactic acid in their legs just causes their body to fail on them, just causes their body to give out. So it's very important to know where the mark is, getting on your mark. My Uncle Jay, um, he has uh, firsthand experience with the importance of getting on your mark and of remembering where your mark is from. Uh, my Uncle Jay, he, he's not a runner, he's not a runner, but he is, uh, he has attempted many numerous feats of athleticism that he has no business attempting. Right? Like stuff that you're going, why, why did you think you could do that? What, what, what made you think that this was a good, a good idea? Um, years ago, like years ago, he just decided he wanted to go for a run um, and not like a normal person just to run around the neighborhood or just like a little, a mile, two miles. He just, he was like, I'm going to run 10 miles today. I don't know what possesses someone to wake up and just decide that day to run 10 miles when you've done no like preconditioning for this, but he, he had that moment. So my Uncle Jay gets up, again, this is years ago, he goes for a run, and he did not consider his mark. He forgot his mark. So when he went for a 10-mile run, rather than, you know, like a normal person running out five miles and then coming back for the other five to make 10, he ran out 10 miles. Doesn't take exactly a... a 
a, a math genius to realize that's going to equal out to a 20-mile run if he comes back, right? So he runs out 10 miles, realizes, I've made a terrible mistake, <laughs> tries coming back, and he can't do it. His body just completely and utterly gives up on him. He has to find a payphone, make a call, have someone come and pick him up the rest of the way because his body had failed him because he forgot his mark. Because he didn't consider where he had left from, that he had run 10 miles out from his mark. Knowing where your mark is, is important. And church, I want to let you know, we need to consider and we need to remember our mark. We need to know, because I'm letting you know this, we are starting a race today as a church. We are taking off on a race, and it's a marathon, and we have got to know what our mark is, what we are running from as we run towards something, because it's, it's very enticing to just look at what you're running towards, but it is so important that you remember what you are running from, where you are taking off from. And I want to let you know today, as we get ready to take these first steps of faith, that what we are running from is one thing and one thing only, and that is favor the favor of God. We are trusting in his favor that he is putting his hand on us because I'll tell you this much, we are not starting a race today. We're not starting this marathon today as a church because we are so capable. We're not starting this because, man, we just, we've got the smartest people on staff and we've got the best people. No other church has people like us and we're doing this because we're so smart and I'm an articulate speaker and everything's just, that is not it at all. Everything we do today Every step of faith that we take going forward is based and rooted in the favor of God, trusting him and trusting that he is going to be with us, absolutely, that he's going to be with us every step of the way. We need it. We need his favor. We need his grace, and we need to keep it at the forefront of our mind. We need to be on our mark. I want us to hop back into Mark. You all are seeing what I'm doing there, right? On your mark. We're in the book of Mark. As a pastor, I got way too much joy out of, like, coming up with this. I was like, oh, this is good. We're in Mark, and the, it's on your mark. This is going to be so good. And it was, it's, I, I enjoyed it way more than everyone else. Like, oh, yeah, we see what you did. That's cool. Like, all right, well, I'll go tell some other pastor friends. They'll be like, oh, yeah, that's good. Let's write that down for later. So back to Mark. Mark chapter 1. This is what it says uh, in verse 9 as we work back through it. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. Can you imagine this moment? He saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And you have to remember from what we know from other accounts in Scripture, it's not like this is just Jesus and John sitting there and this is happening. John had crowds. John had people around him. And so there is a crowd that is here witnessing what is going on as heaven is being torn open and the Spirit descends like a dove. And then a voice comes from heaven and says, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Amazing, right? And what's amazing is we can learn a lot about favor from these sets of verses. Because what we see from these sets of verses is that favor is knowing that my identity supersedes any activity I do. That who I am trumps what I do, right? Because Jesus, again, what did I say? This is Mark chapter 1. This is the beginning, the onset of his ministry. Jesus has accomplished nothing yet. Nothing. And yet... You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. God could have even just left it at just, you are my son, whom I love. No, not only that, I'm pleased with you. 
I'm happy with you. What you've done so far has me smiling. It has me smiling upon you. I am happy with where you're at, and that's because favor is knowing my identity trumps my activity. It supersedes what I do. This means I am a child of God, and it's not conditional. It's only on Jesus. If I am trusting in him, that means my identity is found in him, which means I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am valued. I'm favored, I'm approved, and it does not matter what I do. I can't earn it. Jesus didn't earn it. He just was it. (laughs) He just was favored. God looked at him, and he was pleased before he did a single thing. And that is true of you, and that's true of anyone who trusts in the name of Jesus. If Jesus is your king, if you are following him and you trust him, you are favored. I got news for you. You're favored. You're, You're already there. You are favored. He already looks at and This is so just key, and I love this. It, this means that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, they look upon us not just with love but with like. <laughs> They're pleased with us. They like us. How often do we think that God's looking at us with just this condescension, looking at us and just waiting for us to fail again, waiting for that same sin to trip us up again, and I uh, knew it was going to happen. <laughs> are you ever going to learn? Are you ever going to get right? But whenever we trust in Jesus, God sees the righteousness of Jesus on us, and he is pleased, and he loves us, and he likes us. You're favored. I'm favored. You know why that's so important to know before you start off into a race? You know why this is so important for Jesus to have this moment before his ministry begin? When you know you're favored, and you know it's about identity and not activity, that gives you an otherworldly confidence. Because you know it's not based off of what you do. And man, is God gonna love me? Is he gonna have his favor on me because of how I performed today? How many people after service told me, man, great, great sermon, pastor. Oh, only three? Oh, geez. Well, God, God must not be favoring me today. No, we didn't have anybody, uh, we didn't have as good of a giving week. Wow, God's favor isn't upon us. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with activity and it has everything to do with identity. That's what God's favor is. It's our identity. It's who we are, that we are children of God, and we need that. As we take off on this race, we need that confidence that comes from knowing who we are, and we need to know who we are because it gives us endurance. Not just confidence to take the steps, but endurance to withstand setbacks when they come. Because whenever life starts throwing haymakers, and it will, like if you've lived any amount of time, you know that that's the case. Stuff happens. Bad diagnoses come in, loved ones die and pass away, and people move away, and friendships change, and and things happen in marriages, and financial struggles happen. Life will throw a punch or two. It will happen. And whenever you know who you are, that your value isn't determined by those punches that you're able to take, whenever you know your value, man, it gives you that endurance to keep pushing through, to say, hey, even though these are my circumstances, that doesn't define who I am. It doesn't define who I am because I am a child of God. It gives us confidence to take steps and endurance to withstand setbacks. Does anybody in here know a thing or two about a setback? Is anybody? Yeah. I, I, I was kind of worried. I didn't know if you guys would be able to relate to things not going well in life. I, I was like, I thought I might scratch this part from the sermon because I'm like, man, it might not be too relatable. I might be talking over people's heads. No, come on, we... Everyone knows setbacks. Everyone knows what it's like to be following God and to experience what feels like failure, what feels like setback, what feels like things not going 
your way, you trust God, and you see no breakthrough. I'm not talking about the natural result of sin, right? Some people will just live their life paying no mind to God at all, and then, oh, man, not seeing any breakthrough. Well, yeah, <laughs> right? Like, you're completely dishonoring God in every area of your life. What, what do you, I mean, what do you expect there, right? No, I'm talking about when you are trusting God, when you are following him, you're, you're doing what you can do to follow God and you're not experiencing any kind of breakthrough. I mean, Cornerstone, you guys are no stranger to the struggles that my family went through whenever we, we moved to Cleveland and tried starting a church. Car repossessions, two of them. Uh, utilities getting shut off. Just frustration after frustration. And, and, and we're giving and we're sacrificing. And we're inviting people and we're like, yo, <laughs> like, what, what is, this, is this favor? Like, this is what favor looks like? Dang, I, never mind. Like, we're good. Take your favor off of us because it, it felt so frustrating, right? And just a constant struggle, just like, man, we're not, God, we're not sinning. Like, we're not, we're not, it's, we're not having our cars taken away because we're, we're, we're blowing our money on stuff. It's because we're trying to keep the church afloat. Like, I, I paid rent at the building last week, and that's why... What's going on? I had a buddy who, uh, he was a server at Red Robin at the, the one in Canton at the Strip for a long time. Uh, just an awesome guy. Like, as soon as you see him, you're going, okay, this dude's gonna like run this place in no time because incredible work ethic, super personable, very charismatic, everyone loves him. People who didn't even know him are like, you gotta ask for this guy whenever you come and have him wait your table. He's just amazing. And so everyone knows like, okay, he is built for management. He's built to run this place. But there was an issue. To be able to take those next steps in management, you had to be able uh, to, to serve alcohol, to run the bar. And this isn't, you know, cornerstone stance or anything like that. But my friend, because of personal life experiences that he had seen, what alcohol had done to people in his life, he had the personal conviction that he felt God putting on him personally that, you know what, I don't want to have any part of it. I'm not saying other people can't, but I don't want to have any part of serving this. I don't want to have any part of it. And so he, he took that stand, and so he, he, wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't take those next steps. And I know this is where you're waiting for the, but then God, within six months, had Red Robin change their policy, and he got promoted, and he now today owns 37 Red Robins across this many countries. No, that's, that's not, that is not what happened. <laughs> He, he held his ground, and that was that. So did Red Robin. Like, they, that was it. And that's frustrating. Because you're like, God, I am honoring you. I'm trying to take steps in favor. Where's, where's the other end of that? <laughs> where's the breakthrough? Where's the thing starting to go my way? Why is that? Why is that? Well, let's, let's keep reading. Let's keep looking in uh, uh, Mark. This is what it says in verse 12, as we pick up. So Jesus just has this mountaintop moment, right? Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove in front of all these people. God says from heaven a voice that people can audibly hear. says, this is my son. I love him. I'm well pleased with him. Very next verse. At once, euthus, immediately, at once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. Not exactly what you would expect, Right? He was with the wild animals and the angels attended to him. Favor can feel like failure. Favor can feel like failure. I see a lot of, I can't see your mouths, but I see a lot of eyes 
that I can just see that, yes, you've been there. You know that favor can feel like failure, that you can get on your mark, that you can realize, hey, look, life, is, life isn't about how great I am. It's about how great he is and me following him. And you can get on your mark and you can start taking those steps, steps from favor, and you still see struggle. You still see no breakthrough. You still see things not going your way. Look at Jesus. You're not alone. I'm not alone. You're not alone in this. Jesus went from this moment of triumph in verse 11 immediately to moments of testing in verses 12 and 13. Immediately, euthus, at once, at once. He goes directly from having God validate him to this moment of trial and testing where the closest companion he has for a month and a half is the devil himself, testing him at every turn. We know from other accounts in scripture that all Jesus had during this time to him was water. That's it. For 40 days as Satan is constantly berating him and testing him and trying to break him down. So yeah, favor can feel like failure. It can look like failure. You can honor God and still face setbacks. You can honor God and still face discouragement. You can honor God and still face depression. They can coexist and they oftentimes do. You know what that means in your life? And maybe you've experienced this. You can make a commitment to follow Jesus and you can start losing friends. And it's not out of anything that you've done. It's not because you're like, well, I, because I've started following Jesus, I gotta start changing my friend group and I'm gonna unfollow all these unchristlike accounts and I'm gonna do all this and I'm gonna, and this is gonna be, so I'm just getting rid of everything in my life. No, 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 you can, you can start following God and say, hey, look, I don't want this to change anything between us. I still love you guys. I still wanna hang out. But you start noticing you, you're getting fewer and fewer texts. <laughs> the boys are hanging out on Friday night and you didn't get an invite. The girl's going out on, on Saturday morning and, and you're not included. And you're going, God, like what? <laughs> I'm starting to follow you and you, you take people out of my life? Who, who am I supposed to hang out with now? What, I'm supposed to follow you but just be lonely and not have a, a, a group of friends? You can start trusting God with your finances and see your budget tighten. And again, I know this is where most pastors say, and I started tithing, and my budget, I came up $250 short. But you know what? On the day before my rent was due, someone showed up to my door and said, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to give you $250, and I paid it. Glory to God. Like, that's, that's what we hear a lot. <laughs> you know what we don't hear a lot are those stories where, yeah, I was $250 short, and I just, I was, I was short. I didn't pay this, and so now I've got a credit company upset with me and I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what bills to pay and what ones I, I can do now and what ones I can't and I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Favor can feel like failure. I have been there. I've been there and not like long ago, not like oh, in my far off past, like a couple months ago. <laughs> I've been in places where man, this is your favor, God? Doesn't feel like it. Feels and it looks a lot like failure. You can vow to, to date wisely to be like, you know what, I've been a serial dater. I have not even remotely honored God in my uh, romantic relationships, but that's changing. I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna make sure that I honor God in every way that I can. I'm gonna look for the right things. I'm gonna date with the intent of marriage. Like, I'm gonna do everything that I should do. And you realize that you're single for a month, and one month becomes three, and three becomes six, and before you know it, it's a year, and it's two years, and you're going, like, God, I'm getting shouted down over here, right? Like, amen, amen. <laughs> but 
But you can feel like, where, where is it? Where's, where's the follow-through here? Where's the follow-through? This, this is your favor? Because honestly, it feels a lot like failure. And can I say that we've been there as a church? And yes, I mean individually, like each one of us in our own lives, but collectively as a church, we have been here. Where failure, where, where favor feels and it looks a lot like failure. Whenever we were at our old property on 578 Killian Road, we tried multiple times to build and to add on to that property, like multiple times. We tried looking at different kind of buildings that we could build and asking uh, the county about it and getting denied, saying like, no, you guys can't build that kind of property or that kind of building there, even though it's the affordable kind and the one that maybe we could afford to build. We tried doing, a, 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 you know, different kind of fundraising at a different point, never a true capital campaign, but it never really panned out. And we'd have financial issues as a church or other uh, issues with our denomination, things like that. And so it just, it never happened. And it felt like failure. Like, man, we're just not able to build. And then on top of that, the building that we did build, the facility at Killian Road, we ended up giving it up. I can't get into the whole story today, but issues with our denomination and they still owned the building on a technicality of a trust clause even though we had built it with our bare hands, like our congregation actually built this building. We, we had written prayers on the studs and prayed over that thing and built it. And they, they took it and we, we allowed it to happen. We weren't gonna take that to court. We weren't gonna dishonor the name of Christ by having all this fought out in a legal battle. So we lose our building and that feels a lot like failure. Feels a lot like failure. And then from that, <laughs> moving from glory to glory, we have to meet mobile, <laughs> right? We have to meet mobile <laughs> for three years, <laughs> right? Man, it's like the hits just keep on coming. <laughs> like, goodness sakes, we have to meet mobile for three years. And I know we've got some tech people and some setup people who are getting PTSD with me talking about this from setting up and tearing down every single week. Every single week, 200 some odd chairs, get them out and put them back, hook this up, take it down, put it back, just craziness. And we had to do that for three years with no end in sight. Felt like failure. And then the one building that we did still own, the, the, the campus, the Magador campus that used to be a campus here at Cornerstone. This is a, a campus that we put blood, sweat, and tears into and, and funding and people, people who were raised in Cornerstone, people who became leaders at Cornerstone, and we sent them over there saying, hey, help this church grow, help it get healthy and thrive. We sent them over there, and then they started feeling their call to becoming their own, uh, their own church building, their own church community. And so we, we released them. We allowed them to do that, to ha have that vote and be able to do that. And that feels like failure. Whenever you lose 200 some people, you lose the only building that you own at that point. And so I, if I can be real raw for a little bit, we had people in leadership positions on our staff talking to each other during all this time saying, are the people in our congregation gonna think that this is a sinking ship? Because if we look at our past, <laughs> it's failure after failure after failure. It's, we own our own building and we're part of this denomination too. We're not a part of that denomination anymore. Oh, we don't own the building. Oh, we're meeting mobile. Oh, the only building we own, we don't have anymore. Oh, those 200 people and some of the people that came to Christ through Cornerstone and through our ministry here are gone now. That looks a lot like failure, right? And it felt a lot like failure. But what if it wasn't? <laughs> what, what if it was not? What if failure 
feels like failure sometimes. Feels like it. That does not mean it is failure. It means it just feels like failure sometimes. Look at what we see in the, in the very next verses, immediately, the very next verse in Mark, Mark 14. This is right after Jesus was tested. After John was put into prison, which, can we just, like, just stop here? So Jesus, Jesus gets pushed into the wilderness for a month and a half. The devil is his closest companion. His diet consists of nothing but water. He faces constant testing and trial for 40 days he comes out of that and finds out his cousin, one of the most godly men that there is, has been put in prison, and his prison sentence will end with his death. He will be beheaded by Herod. Does anything look good at this? How far off does that approval from God seem back in verse 11? This is my son. I'm pleased with him. I love him. Do you? <laughs> Maybe you could show it because it certainly isn't looking like it. Because he's been going through testing, John's put in prison, and yet in the middle of all of this, look at this, in spite of all that's happened, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. In the midst of all of that, there is still good news. And this is why. It's because failure is a choice, but favor is a constant. Failure... Failure is something that, and this is going to sound, you know, super like self-help book, but it's true, man. <laughs> failure, failure is something that we label an event. An event happens and we label it a failure. That's on us. We choose it. Failure is a choice. Favor, though, our identity, who we are, that's a constant. It does not change. We are the favored sons and daughters of God. Failure is a choice, but favor is a constant. That's why in the midst of the testing, in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of John being put in prison and eventually killed, in the midst of all of that, Jesus goes and preaches good news because he didn't choose failure. He's going, no, no, no. Failure, that's, that's a label. I know who I am. I know that God sent me. I know I'm the son of God. And so I'm going to take steps from that favor I'm going to take steps from, from who I am, not what the activity around me is saying is happening. Because the activity was saying everything is a failure. This is not going to work. But he knew who he was. He knew who he was, and he knew he had favor. If you believe you have favor, just say it. Declare it. I have favor. I have favor. Declare that. You need to declare that more often because it's very easy for your circumstances to tell you you have failure. But you need to just remind yourself, start your day off saying, man, I'm getting on my mark. My mark is I am a favored son or daughter of God, and I'm taking a step from that. I have favor. God's favor is constant. It is not a choice. It is permanent. Jesus knew this. He took steps flowing from that constant favor. He knew his mark, and he never lost sight of it. Never. All the way to the cross was on that mark of failure. I know that this looks like failure, but Everything in my kingdom is opposite of how the world sees it. Everything. You see failure, I see favor. He knew he was favored. And Cornerstone, we're favored. We're favored. And I don't mean that in the sense that, you know, a church with billion-dollar buildings is going, hey, the favor of God is upon us because of this. No, we're not favored because of our circumstances. We're favored. Even before we fixed this building up, we were favored in it. <laughs> Because it's not about the activity. It's about our identity. It's about who we are. 
We are favored, Cornerstone. We're favored. And we've seen that. We saw that play out because during that time of all of those failures, we didn't believe that they were failures. Like, it may feel like it, but we're going to keep taking steps from that mark of favor. We're going to keep taking steps. And so we believed and we prayed and we fasted and we searched. And eventually, we came upon this property, right? 2445 South Arlington, we came across this property. And I got to tell you, the entire story of us getting this property is a story of God's favor. Because it wasn't about us. It was all about him and him working this out. We actually, people were telling us for, you know, a long time that we should check out this property. A few people in the congregation saying we should check out the old Compass North building. The only thing is, if this is less than 8,000 square feet, our old building on Killian that we were outgrowing was 20,000 square feet, a little over 20,000. This is a third of that, a third. And so whenever people were telling us to check it out, we're like, well... I mean, it's, yeah, the property is great, but this building, it it ain't going to cut it. Like, it's just not. It's not going to work for us. But we wanted to do due diligence. So we came and checked it out. We actually came, just a small group of us, in December of 2019, walked through the building, and, you know, we looked around, we're like, this is is great for a smaller church. (laughs) Like, it's just, this is not going to work for us. Little did we know, about 80 days later, the coronavirus pandemic would spread from China, would spread across the world, would hit Ohio, would hit the entire world, the, the country, and we would be forced to uh, shut down and go online, and all of these crazy things would happen. We had no idea. But as that's all going on, and we're realizing, wow, there's really no, no end in sight for this thing, suddenly me and the leadership board and some people on staff are like, well, maybe, maybe we should check out that building again. <laughs> because with a smaller amount of people that we're allowed to have, It could work in the meantime. It could work in the here and now (laughs) as we get ready to build for what God is doing down the road. This could actually work. And so we came back. The the numbers worked out right. The leadership board prayed and fasted, and we we got the building. And I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing is just God's favor all over it. And the whole thing is God's favor. It's amazing. And if, if you were with us a few weeks ago, you know we were talking about Abraham, right? And how Abraham knew that God would send a, a substitute sacrifice, that he wouldn't really have to go through with, with, with sacrificing his son Isaac. And, and Isaac said, but hey, where is the sacrifice? <laughs> like, where is it? And, and Abraham said, hey, God will provide the lamb. He'll provide it. But then it ended up being a ram. And it's because that's what it needed to be, for it to be stuck in the thicket, for it to be able to be there. It had to have horns. It had to be a ram. And, and Pastor Brent was talking about, man, you know, this, this building, this property, this, we were looking for a lamb, but God sent a ram. We were looking for what we thought we needed, but God sent us what we actually needed. He sent us what we actually needed. And man, this building has been a godsend, a literal godsend. The things that we've been able to do, the ministry we've been able to have already. So, so thankful for the favor of God that has been following us. And it took a big step step of faith, a big step of faith from that mark of favor for us to, to jump into this property. Because here's the thing, we took that step of faith knowing it was too small. Anybody in here have a family with five kids and you willingly went in to buy a one-bedroom house? Because you're like, hmm. Favor, the favor of God is upon us. Like, you don't do that. (laughs) You're like, if this is our size, this is the size of house we need. And for us as a church, our database of people who call Cornerstone their home church is between 2,500, 2,700 people. It's a big database. If everyone shows up like they do on Christmas and Easter, man, we're we're packed. And we're, I mean, we were growing. We were growing. And so 
this was a big step of faith for us to get this place. But we are believing big things were to come, which brings us to the final verse I want us to look at today, Mark 15. Let's look at it one more time. It says, the time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. The time to forget the future and to focus on the here and now. To forget the future. Yes, we, we want a fulfilling future. We want amazing things to happen. But we are not going to, as a church, be so caught up about, well, down the road. And if we do, no, no, no. We are going to be believing and trusting that it's here. And it's now that the time has come for us. That the waiting is over. That we don't need to wait any longer. That we can boldly step into the future that we believe God has in mind for us. And step into the present that God have, has in mind for us. If we get on our mark of trusting in God's favor and not in ourselves. And we tar- start taking those steps forward. We will see amazing things happen. And they will happen immediately. They will happen here and now. Not in some distant future, but right now. Euthus, immediately, at once. The time has come. And the time has come for us, Cornerstone. The time has come for us to act, for us to take those bold steps of faith, trusting Jesus and trusting in his favor. The time has come for us to get on our mark. Because, you see, we know our identity. We know who we are. We know who we are. Do you think it was a coincidence that we spent seven weeks talking about our core values and who we are? Like, oh, that's so fun that we talked about that. Well, what a coincidence. It fits in. Yeah, we did that on purpose. <laughs> we did it on purpose. Because like I said, identity matters. Who you are matters. Before you take off on a race, you need to know your mark. And we need to know who we are as a church before we take off on this marathon of a race. But we know who we are. We know our identity, our core values. We know our mission to help people find the father, a family, and a fulfilling future. We know who we are. We know the purpose that God has put in our heart as a church. And here's the thing. We know we have influence. We know we have influence. God has given it to us. Again, this is not because of anything we've done. It's because of his favor going before us. He's given us influence. And not just here in Akron. He has given us favor in Northeast Ohio. We have people joining us and people in here who live in, you know, Barberton and Norton and Wadsworth and and, and Canton and just different places all over. We have people watching us from Cleveland. We've got favor in Northeast Ohio. We've got influence in Northeast Ohio. We have influence beyond our state borders. We have people watching us in in Indiana and in uh, different uh, Massachusetts, right, Missouri. We have people watching us from different places across the country and from different places across the world. Like, we, we have people in the, a lady in the Philippines watching us, people in South Africa. Like, God has given us this amazing influence, right? He's given us this amazing influence as a church, and we do not want to squander it. We want to be on our mark, walking from God's favor to capitalize on it. And if I can get super practical for a moment, and I'm, this is what we're going to talk about in the, the closing minutes today. If I can get super practical what that looks like capitalizing on the favor and the influence that God has given us, what that looks like at this point in in Cornerstone's history is a new facility. I'm just going to say it. We need a new facility. It's not a nice to have, like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be? No, it's a necessity. We need it. 
We need it. If we are going to truly capitalize on the mission that God has given us and be able to realize it to its fullest potential, it's not going to happen in this building as is. It's just not. It's just not. We have got to build a new facility, a place where we can gather together, where we can rally together as a church to learn and to connect with each other and to, to, to worship just worship Jesus together. Like I said, we need a, if everyone who called Quarterstone their home church today showed up, even just half, we would be packed out for multiple services here. We just, we can't do it. We just can't do it. We need a bigger facility. We need a place where we can have the community in. We're, we're wanting a gymnasium, a place where we can have uh, basketball clinics for the community. And we can have dances like the Tim Tebow's A Night to Shine for the community, for special needs. Like there's so many amazing things that we can do here. We want a place where where uh, senior adults can have things, where we can have retreats. Just, the, I mean, honestly, I could go on for about another hour talking about just the vision of what we could do with a new place. But chances are you've already been thinking about it too. Chances are you've already been dreaming about, man, wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, if we had this and oh my goodness, just, just this new place that could really be us planting our flag in the ground in the community and saying, we are here for you. We are here for you. There is room for you. We are literally making room for you because we're thinking about you and we care about you. We need to capitalize on the influence God has given us. It is time for us to act and it's time here and now. It's time. It's time. So you may be wondering, okay, I get that it's now, but how? <laughs> like, how are we going to do this? Like, we can't just have our fingers and suddenly they're brand new gym, multi-purpose facility pops up. How in the world are we going to do this? Well, that's, we're, we're starting today. Today is the official start of our Here and Now Capital Campaign, our building fund. We're taking those steps. We're getting on our mark, taking steps, trusting in the favor of God, going before us that this isn't going to be because we're so great, but because he is seeing us through, and we're trusting God. We're going to start raising money to build this facility, and we're being as wise as we can about this. We're not blindly going through it. We are doing everything we naturally can to partner with God super to make something supernatural happen, right? We're doing everything we can. So we're working with a consulting firm called the Ling Group, Phil Ling and Tim Cooper. They've been working with us, uh, uh, amazing group of church consultants. They've worked with uh, uh, smaller churches to huge churches, uh, uh, Lakewood down in Houston, the Billy Graham Association, uh, Elevation Church in Charlotte. These are really qualified, amazing men and women of God who are giving us fantastic advice on how to do this, on how to actually build out a real capital campaign. One of the things that they've done is they have researched our congregation, our giving habits over the last years, uh, our demographics, all of that. They believe that over the course of three years, which this is what the total campaign will be, a three-year campaign, by the end of three years, we will be able to raise between 1.25 and 1.75 million dollars. Now that, yes, that would completely pay off a brand new building. And again, I want you to understand, that means raising the money. That doesn't mean in three years, that's when the building would be done. That means in three years, everything would be paid off by then. The building, hopefully, would be finished much sooner than that. But uh, uh, this, is, this is a big moment. This is a big, big moment. We need this new facility, and we, we need it now. We need it now. We need things to start now, and so we are taking all the steps we can as a church to make this happen, and people are already sacrificing for it. I, this is the funnest part of the, today's sermon for me to talk about. 
I want to tell you about just how a few people have sacrificed already, all right? So we've been talking to a few people in the church. One couple, they own a small business, and uh, they, they were talking to me, and they said, hey, because we're a small business, uh, our, our income can fluctuate pretty crazily from week to week, depending on what we bring in. And so we want to let you know we, we really can't make like a month-by-month commitment because that's just hard. That's hard for us to do, not knowing what our finances can be. But we have liquid money right now where we can write you a check for $10,000. And they did. $10,000. Incredible. Incredible. And then on the flip side, we have people on the other end of the spectrum who are saying, hey, look, I don't have the just thousands of dollars of liquid money right now. But I know in my budget, we have a, a young girl who's in college. College. And she said, you know what? I can do $35 a week for three years. And over the course of three years, that equals over, over $5,000. A $5,000 commitment. Incredible. Jessica and I, I was joking in first service, we're like Frankensteining our commitment. It's coming from a whole lot of different pieces and parts. We're using some money from the stimulus check that we just don't need. We don't need it for ourselves. We're uh, uh, using, uh, we're going to do a monthly commitment for the next three years, and we're doing uh, uh, an amount of money from uh, a pension account that I had from whenever I was at Allstate. We're putting it all together, and, and the reason we're doing that is because we prayed and asked God, what does sacrifice look like to us? Because we didn't want to write an arbitrary number that we came up with that made us feel good about ourselves. Like, oh, look at us. Look at, we're good. We're writing our little check. We wanted to ask God, God, what's your number? Because we wanted to feel it. That's what sacrifice is. You feel it. You don't write it or give it and you don't even realize that you did it. You feel sacrifice. And we said, God, help us feel this. What, what is something that we are going to feel? And we knew for us, just a monthly commitment with the amount that we can do wouldn't, it would be a, you know, it'd be a commitment but it wouldn't stretch us too far. But that partnered with the bigger one-time gift, we're like, okay, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's going to that's gonna stretch us. But it feels good. Pastor Brenda, she already made her first commitment. She said whenever she put her check in that back wall, that the exhilaration she felt was unmatched. Just absolutely. <laughs> Just knowing, man, something is happening and I'm a part of it. Something is happening, and I am a part of it, and it's happening here and now, here and now. We're going to be having a, a, a later this month at the end of the series, a kind of a commitment Sunday. We have these commitment cards. They're going to be available online as well um, where you can commit to a, a one-time gift. You can commit to a, a, a commit for a year or two years, three years, anything like that. Uh, but, man, I would just ask you, as we're leading up, to that March 14th Sunday, just be praying and asking God, God, what's your number? I don't want to come up with my number. I want to know what your number is. And I'm not even saying that because God's number is going to be a really big one. It's going to be sacrificial. Honestly, if $5 a week is sacrificed for somebody, that's amazing. That is amazing. If $5 a week is a sacrifice, if $1 a week is a sacrifice, that's amazing. Just ask God, God, what is your number? What's your number? Man, I'm, I'm just so excited. I feel like I could go for another hour, but I can't. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll get you guys, I'll get you guys out of here. <laughs> but we need this. Man, we need this, and we need it here and now, which brings me to the last, the last verse I want us to look at, which is our verse for the year, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. 
You see, we just talked about it at the beginning of the sermon. We're, always, we're people who the best version of ourselves is always in the future. The great days are always in the future. Oh, the best is yet to come. I mean, churches say that all the time. We, say, we used to say that all the time. It was in the song we sang this morning. The best is yet to come. It's here. <laughs> it has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Jesus is here. He's with us, and his favor is upon us. The new is here. Cornerstone, we can do this. Like, we can actually make this a reality. We can actually make this happen. We can reject choosing the label of failure and say, no, no, this is favor. Even if it doesn't feel like it at the moment, this is favor. And then take steps that flow out of that favor. Act like God is with us. Just act like he's with us. Take steps forward acting like he is going to see us through. Because why not us? Why not? Why not us? It's so easy for us to think that, like, no, the, the really influential ministry, we'll leave that to the big boys. We all know that the, the big churches, and they're, they're huge, and, and they're, we have some in our area, and they're amazing churches. We'll just leave, you know, really influential ministry to them, but we'll just be a nice little community church, and we'll just all love each other, not really spread out, you know, not, not really try to have more people in. We'll just enjoy what we're doing right here. This will be good. No. Like I said last week, if that is your mentality, we need your seat. We need your seat because we are moving forward in favor. We are moving forward to what God has called us to do. And we are going to reach out because I, I can't remember. I'm, everything's blending together right now, guys. I'm kind of, I'm about to black out. <laughs> can't remember if I said this last service or if I said it yet, but the reason we're doing this, I've had people ask me before, why, why do we need to do this? Is, this? is this about what other churches, about these mega churches? We're just all about people's, uh, what's the phrase? I've heard it a few times before, like uh, bucks and butts. We just want more bucks and more people's numbers, and it just looks good. Is that what this is about? What this is about is the kingdom of God expresses itself through Cornerstone in such a unique way. It's, it's crazy. If you've been to other churches, you know that to be the case. And I believe we're doing our, our people, just people in general, a disservice if the only people who are lucky enough to get to experience that expression of the kingdom of God at Cornerstone is people who can fit in here in 9 or 11. And that's it. If, you're, if you can't do that, then sorry, you're out of luck. No, 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 that is not it at all. We want our entire community, we want the people that God has given us influence over to truly to be able to experience the kingdom of God through Cornerstone Church because it is special. What we've got is something special, and he is going to see us through. Last thing I want to say, on your mark. So whenever you get on your mark, right, in most races, the mark is here, and then the 100-meter finish line's right there. Or 200-meter, it's there. 300-meter, it's there. The toughest race, again, I don't know know from experience, but the toughest race, if you ask runners, is the 400-meter run. Because it's long enough that you can't do a full-out sprint the whole time. Your body will actually shut down on you. At about The most well-trained athletes could run about 275 meters before the lactic acid buildup will cause their legs to just fall apart. They will actually stumble. They will fall. They can't follow it through. So you have to pace yourself to a certain degree. But one of the most amazing things about the 400-meter race is the mark, the starting line, is simultaneously the finish line. Do you see where I'm going? Our mark of favor, 
the mark of favor that we chose to believe in whenever we allowed the denomination to take our building, the, the mark of favor that we chose to believe in whenever we were mobile for three years and we had no idea what, what our future had in store, that mark of favor that we lined up at and we bought a, a building that's a third of the size of our old building that we were about to grow out of, that mark of favor that we've taken all these steps from, that is the same mark of favor that we are going to find ourselves at when we finish our new building. It's the same one. The favor that it took to start these steps is the same thing that we're gonna need to see it through to the very end, and we can do it. <laughs> we can do it. It's just a matter of us getting on our mark. Get on your mark. See the favor of God. See that it's not about the activity we do or how great we are, but how great he is and that he has called us to advance his kingdom. He's called us to do that, so let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get on our mark and let's advance. Father God, Today, we take a step forward. We are done kicking the can down the road. It's not happening anymore. The days of saying, well, someday, and maybe next year, oh, one of these days, we are putting those words and those phrases and those idioms to death today. There's no more the best is yet to come. The best is always here and now. It's always here and now with you. God, help us to believe that. Help us to truly believe that, to truly internalize that, because we know if we do, it's going to change everything about how we live. If we truly believe that our best self doesn't exist somewhere down the road, and, and God, you're just waiting for us to finally hit it, but that you love us and you like us where we're at now, and you're calling us forward, man, that changes how we live. It changes how we act. It changes everything about our lives. Help us to internalize that truth that you are with us and you are making all things new right here and right now. Because God, if we do that, my goodness, the things that you have in store for us, we will look back at this day and be blown away by how small our vision was. We will look back on this day and be blown away that we, we had such small dreams and such small hope for what you could do through us. We know you're doing something amazing, God. Use us as your vessels. Use us as co-laborers to fulfill the work with you of helping people who need you, people who are far from you, find you, find a family, and find a fulfilling future. And we will give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 Are you guys ready to run? Because we're running. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. We're running and we're not stopping. It, it, things are about to get real crazy around here. <laughs> and it's, it's not stopping. We're, we're just going to keep taking steps forward. So I hope, hope you guys are ready. We have some exciting, exciting days ahead. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.